I saw a post on a tab Facebook group and it asked the question, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions people have about tab choice based classroom? <clears throat> well, <laughs> there were over 150 comments. I mean, obviously, based on the amount of comments, this is a hot topic issue, right? I mean, how can there be 150 comments? Does this mean there are 150 misconceptions? Well, hold on. I'll get to that in a minute. But first, this is a hot topic issue for me. In fact, it's been one of my hot topic issues for about six years now. Let me explain. It was six years ago that the Art of Education, the website online, now it's a school, right? But back then it was just a blog. Um, they published an article titled, It's Okay Not to Have a Tab Classroom. And at the time, I was writing for the Art of Ed and had, in fact, published through them a string of articles about tab and choice-based programs um, that we were developing at, at Apex High School at the time. So the articles were receiving a lot of attention on social media, and there were some positives, <laughs> there were some <laughs> negatives, but there was definitely lively you know, discussions. Now, I will admit that I'm not always the most diplomatic when it comes to presenting ideas. In fact, I'll admit I can be rather direct and straightforward <laughs> to, to someone. Uh, this can this can come across maybe as if I'm abrasive, perhaps, but the truth is, I'm an adorable cupcake. <laughs> and of course, I'm the last person on earth who wants to offend anybody, but I digress. The point is, the articles were causing a stir. Now, what you might not understand is that causing a stir is exactly what you want to do when you write an internet-based article. You see, the more buzz an article gets, uh, be it positive or negative, does not matter, the more clicks the article gets. Click, click, click. And for writers, clicks are good. So I think <laughs> that was some of the basis behind um, of why the article, It's Okay Not to Have a Tab Classroom, was written, if you can understand where I'm going with that. Um, if my articles, pro pro-tab at the time, pro-choice-based, you know, we're getting attention. Certainly an article with the opposite slant would do equally as well, you would assume, right? So if you look at it from a writer's point of view, it was rather genius, to be honest. Well, that article achieved what I assumed it was intended to do, create a huge stir on the web. Uh, people commented on the post on social media sites. People argued back and forth. Um, there was a comment section in the Art of Ed uh, at that, well, it probably still is, um, on the website. So you could, you could put up uh, comments there, and there was a lot of that. I mean, it, it was stirring the pot for sure. <laughs> the only problem was it was full of misconceptions lots of misconceptions really in my opinion it was it was all misconceptions um so so here are a few um that were in the article number one there is an over-reliance on online resources yes tab has an over-reliance on online resources okay number two work coming out of the tab classroom just isn't that strong <laughs> Okay, if you say so. Uh, number three, my, my personal favorite, kids make terrible decisions. <laughs> you know, guys, don't let your kids make decisions. Just tell them what to do because they're going to make terrible decisions. Okay, okay, let me calm down. We got a long podcast to get through here. Now, this was six years ago, and some of those misconceptions are easily refuted. I would assume, like, does anyone think that there is an overreliance on online resources with Tab? Is that really a problem? 
Is that a thing in tab <laughs> after 2020? <laughs> Do you, are we over reliant on online resources? Well, you know, maybe for other reasons, but not because of tab. But um, the other ones, like kids make terrible decisions, are, are still around today. So let's take a look at the top misconceptions, and maybe I'll toss in my rebuttal just for kicks and giggles. All right, where to start? Well, I made myself a list <laughs> here on the paper. So I guess I'll start with number one on the list. Number one, tab doesn't teach technique. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> the first thing I learned about teaching tab at the elementary level was that there was such a thing called the five minute demo. It's at the beginning of the class when the teacher is doing a demonstration of how to use materials or resources in the class. In other words, the first thing an elementary student learns when they enter a tab classroom is a technique. <laughs> so, so here's where this misconception comes from, I think. Traditionally, traditional art teachers, um, they teach technique by first starting with the technique. And then they build a project around it. So that's kind of the way that works. Um, they rely on the project to teach the technique, so they probably don't understand how a tab teacher teaches techniques if the student is designing the project. If the student's designing the project, and then <laughs> how's the teacher gonna teach the technique? The teacher needs to design the project so she can teach the technique. Okay, so you can see where the confusion comes from. Well, so they might not understand. So how does this happen? Well, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So one way is it happens on the back end. That's the one way I like to do it. Uh, of course, you can do other ways, like you can do demos, like I mentioned before, but you can do it on the back end. And here's how that works. The student designs the project. Then the teacher can go over and say to this kid, hey, you know what? You know what would work really good with what you're trying to accomplish if you did this technique or if you use that medium? And, and that will help bring the student's idea to fruition. So TAB does teach technique a whole bunch of different ways. Let's keep going. There's so many. Number two, misconception, kids won't challenge themselves. Well, that might be true in any classroom. I don't think that's tab specific. I guess the traditional teacher's thinking is that she'll give them um, challenging pro projects, right? Um, I actually addressed this um, in two podcasts ago in episode 11 uh, when I was talking about authentic art. So you can give that one a listen there. But basically, uh, first, you know, teachers can only challenge a student to achieve the level the teacher is at. And that's what I was saying there. So let me say that again, right? You can only challenge a student to achieve the level where you are comfortable teaching. Um, like my example in authentic art um, was that I talked about Robbie who wanted to do a perspective lesson and my knowledge of perspective, linear perspective stopped at three point and he challenged himself to do five point. If it was up to me, he would have only learned three point. So independent students, they can search out resources that are even at a higher level than the teacher. Now, second, students will challenge themselves because they want to get better at the thing they are choosing. Don't you? Does that make sense? If you love cooking, don't you look for better recipes to cook from? Or if you like to play guitar, don't you want to learn better songs or new chords? Same. Students will do and challenge themselves. <laughs> Give that podcast a listen. <laughs> I'll go into a lot more detail about it. Let's keep moving along here. Misconception, I'm going to call it number three. Students can't handle choice. Well, this isn't a misconception. This is circular logic. Yes, I'll explain. Students can't handle choice, so I can't give them choice. Well, if you never give them choice, how can they handle choice? And round and round we go. Um, this is an easy fix. If students have never had choice, 
Start by only giving them a few choices, right? You don't need to open the, the floodgates. You don't need to open up wide. If they've never done it before, give them a few choices to choose from. Let them learn how to make choices, then open it up little by little. <clears throat> An elementary school teacher, she doesn't start day one in a tab classroom by offering every center. <laughs> she just wouldn't do it. Hey kids, here's 20 centers, go have at it. No, she opens one or two, then gradually opens more and more as time goes by. That's how students can handle it. So students can handle choice <laughs> and, and they can. So we can move on. Wow, these are easy to, to de debunk. Number four, students will choose to do nothing. Well, this doesn't seem tab specific either. I mean, seems like students not working can happen in any classroom. Matter of fact, I don't even think that's art specific. <laughs> I'm sure there's a couple of kids in math class who aren't doing anything right now. Uh, but there is a difference though. What do you do if you are a traditional teacher and the student won't do your project? I'll tell you what you do. You do carrot or stick. Those are your options. Carrot or stick. You either try to convince them why they should you know, hey, let me tell you why you need to do this thing. Or you threaten them. Hey, I'm going to give you a low grade. You're going to get a zero or something, right? Either way, the student is coerced. In a tab room, the teacher might try to encourage the student like that. Probably not, hopefully not with the, the threatening part, but encourage them. But also by inquiring about what the student's interests are and, and to trying to find materials they might like. It's not that hard to find something that students want to do. They want to do something. Kids don't want to sit around and be bored. And once in a while they do, I guess. But for the most part, y you know, you can find something that they're interested in. And if not, you can trick them. Oh yeah, I'll trick them. I'll set up an art trap. <laughs> I had a girl named Emily. And, and she used to sit in the back of my classroom and do nothing. And, and I talked to her, I talked to her into doing a couple of projects. There was a few projects. Um, we did a tie-dye shirt once, um, she was really into that. But for the most part, nothing. So one day, I was thinking about Emily. I'm like, what am I gonna do here? And I'd heard the, the idea behind art traps. I didn't make this up, this is not for me, but I use it. Um, so I just thought to myself, I'm gonna set up an art trap. So what I did was she used to sit at this table in the back and before she came into class, I just left some cardboard and some pastels, some like oil pastels on the table. Um, and, and to Emily, I imagine it probably looked like the student before her just forgot to clean up, right? <laughs> or didn't clean up <laughs> as it may be. Anyway, Emily came in, she sat down and she did nothing at first. And she was with her friend kind of, they were kind of sitting there talking, I remember that. And then after a bit, she I was watching her, she picked up an oil pastel and she kind of just moved around the cardboard and she just kind of did it nonchalantly. She was kind of in the conversation and not really you know into it or anything like that. But then she kind of got more and more into it and pretty soon <laughs> she turned the cardboard into a really nice little oil pastel drawing of a flower. Like she fell right into my little trap. <laughs> so students will choose to do something or you can trick them into doing something, but that's, uh, so that's a misconception. Definitely a tad misconception. Uh, I've got another five. Students will waste materials, or tab eats up materials, however you wanna word it. Well, if I haven't gotten myself into trouble yet, <laughs> I always find a point in the podcast where I know I'm gonna get myself into trouble, and I'm thinking this might be the spot in the podcast <laughs> where I, I might make someone a little bit angry. Now keep in mind, I am an adorable cupcake, so I'm not doing it on purpose, okay. But we need to define waste. Um, I'm going to give you two scenarios and then I'm gonna ask you a question. We're gonna play a little game. All right, kids, here's the game. Scenario number one. 
A kid works on a teacher-directed project. The project takes two weeks to complete, and it comes out looking pretty good because it's a teacher-directed project, so why not? The, the student even gets a good grade. And then, on the way out the door, at the end of the project, the student drops the work of art into the trash. That's scenario number one. Keep that in your mind. Get right to the question. But first, scenario number two. A kid takes some paint, and they, they mix some of the colors together, and they make a nice-looking secondary color. Okay, And then, while they're sitting there, they, then they mix some of those colors, and they get some, some nicer-looking colors, and then they get a few not-so-nice-looking colors. And then the student mixes those colors and ends up with a pile of mush, <laughs> just mud, okay? And then the student cleans up, tossing everything into the trash. So that's your two scenarios. Here's my question. Which student wasted materials? I think perhaps the default answer is the second one, right? All that student did was make mud and throw it out. So that's a waste. But but is it? Because I think I could argue that the student actually learned a lot about mixing paint. Like they learned which paints mixed well, and they also realized which paints don't mix so well. <laughs> and yes, uh, the end result was mush and, and mud and was thrown out, but that's okay. It wasn't about the final piece. It was about the learning process. So, what about the first one? What about the first scenario? Did that student learn? Perhaps. Perhaps, sure, they did, they did the project and they got a good grade. Um, but what if that student was only following the teacher-directed project, uh, spent two weeks doing it, and didn't learn much? What if uh, they didn't learn that much and they still threw out the materials? <laughs> Would that be a waste? All right, I'll move on. I'll move on. Don't want to get myself in trouble. Number six. Students need to know the rules before... Oh, I hate this one. Students need to know the rules before they break the rules. <laughs> and I don't know why that's a tab thing, but I do hear it in tab because I guess if you were... You could have to teach them the rules. You have to teach them the techniques. Uh, I've heard this one many, many times, actually, and, and, and given as a reason why students need teacher-directed lessons, right? That's the whole thing. Even if this is a true statement, which it's not. <laughs> I don't believe it is. The problem is... Well, the problem I have with it is that it just lives in, in perpetuity. It lives forever. It doesn't die. Here's how it goes. There's an elementary school teacher, and she says, she says it, you know, she says, hey, the students need to know the rules before they break the rules. Well, why? Because kids need structure. They can't come up with their own ideas. They pass them on to the middle school teacher. The middle school teacher gets them. The middle school teacher says it. <laughs> You know why? Because, well, she has to teach them the skills they need to go into high school. They can't go into high school if they don't have the skills. So they have to know the rules first. And then the high school teacher does it. And they use it as an excuse. Well, you know, the student needs to, you know, I need to get the students ready for college. I got to get their portfolios ready. And then you know what happens? The kid gets into college and the college teacher is baffled and wants to know why the kids can't think for themselves. <laughs> if, if we hold off letting kids make decisions <laughs> till they know the rules, till they know all the rules, they're never going to make decisions. <laughs> that's the bottom line. So that's just a horrible statement. And I don't know if it's tab specific or not, but I think that you need to make, let them make decisions. So that makes it tab. Tab kids make decisions. They make terrible ones, of course, from the other misconception. Let's keep going. Misconception number seven. Uh, kind of going to put this into three, three kind of comments here that kind of fall all into one comment. Uh, number seven, no structure or it's a free for all or the kids will just play. They'll just play. Well, to me, that's actually, you know, it's three different questions. So I'm going to have to give it three different responses. So here are my responses. No, yes, and yes. Okay, we can move on to number eight. 
<laughs> All right. Do you want do you want to hear what I'm talking about? Oh, okay, I'll tell you. Okay, so part one. I'm going to break it up to part one, no structure. Part two, it's a free-for-all. And part three, kids will play. So part one, no structure. So anyone who thinks a tab room has no structure has never run a tab room. Probably never even seen a tab room. It's very structured. Uh, if it's not, then it's not a tab room, first of all. Um, you can't have 30 kids making decisions all on their own without a highly organized and structured environment. I'm sorry, it just would not work. It would be crazy. So there has to be structure. That's why... For those considering tab, if you're if you haven't done it yet and you're thinking about it, my advice would be to really do your research before you jump in. Read the books, ask the questions, talk to teachers at a tab, all that stuff. Post stuff online, ask, 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 research, research, research. Because if you don't, it won't work. It won't work if you don't have a structure in place. You've got to have a structure. So to say it's no structure, that's no tab. Part two. It's a free-for-all. Well, yes. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> if by free, if by free-for-all, you mean students can decide what materials they want to use? If by free, do you mean uh, they can decide what they want to create? <laughs> or if by free-for-all, do you mean they can decide how long it will take to make stuff? If, if, if it's questions like that, if that's what you mean, then yeah, it's a free-for-all. <laughs> so why would that be a bad thing? <laughs> If instead you mean unorganized and unstructured, well then, you know, rewind the podcast back to part one where I said about the structure stuff. Part one, no structure. Anyone who thinks... Okay. Let's go on to part three. Kids will play. <laughs> yes. Again, yes. Kids will play. Oh my gosh. Play sounds like a bad thing. It's a bad... Like a frivolous waste of time and resources. You kids are just playing around. You're wasting time. You need to do a project. That might be true for adults who play. It might be. But not for kids. See, the thing about kids is uh, playing is like a really important part of childhood development. <laughs> We're teachers. We should know that, right? So, I mean, it's how they process things. It's how they learn. That's, what, that's how kids learn. That's how they develop their creativity. I mean, it's even... It's, I think it's important just for their their emotional health. <laughs> like, how about right now when everyone's in a pandemic and kids can't play? That's that's hard on them. It's hard for their... Uh, tell, we'll go back to emotional health. That's a perfect word, I think, there. Or two words. Um, look, play... Okay, maybe it's just my opinion. Play is not a frivolous waste of time and resources. It's important for healthy brain development in children. So, yes, kids will play. Let's encourage that. How about that? Maybe that wasn't a misconception. I guess that <laughs> that's a truth. <laughs> okay. That's all the ones I got. Seven. Seven misconceptions. That's enough. We're running out of time here. I'm going to keep this down to our 20-minute usual time frame. So, enough misconceptions. Um, I'm going to wrap this up by looking at some truths. How about that? Uh, let's take these last few moments here and explore possibly why uh, traditional art teachers have these misconceptions rolling around in their heads. Like, where does this come from? I think it's because they don't understand tab. Well, obviously, it's because they don't understand tab. Um, but they, they don't know how it works. And they can't wrap their head around it. This isn't a bad thing. I'm not trying to be mean here or not. I mean, I'll go back to my previous example of, of teaching technique. If I'm a traditional teacher and the way I teach technique is through a project, then 
<laughs> I mean, in other words, if I'm developing a project in order to teach technique, then a tab teacher says to me, oh, stop giving projects. I'm thinking that makes no sense. <laughs> and they're right. It doesn't. I mean, they give projects to teach, teach techniques. That's how they work. So they're, they're, they're saying, how can I teach techniques if I stop giving projects? It makes no sense to them. And I understand that. Um, then the conclusion, and they have to have a conclusion that comes out of that, and they're going to say, you know, tab teachers don't get projects, so therefore tab teachers must not teach techniques. And that's the whole way the whole mind goes. So really, I just, I'm just i just going to go back to, I really feel like it's just a misunderstanding of tab in general um, based on the way that they work or other teachers who don't know it work. Not that tab's better, not that the other way, well, tab's better, but not that tab's better and the other way's wrong or one's right and one's wrong. It's just that you see it differently and then you can't wrap your head around it. So, you know, when, if we look at it through like the traditional teacher's eyes, you know, who's never been introduced to how tab works, it's got to seem totally foreign. I guess that's all I'm really saying. And, and that is what I think is happening what happened when they wrote the article it's okay not to have a tab classroom was written like it just wasn't understood tab just wasn't understood and and that's why there were so many misconceptions so what do we do um well you know we we do the things i mentioned we we learn about tab if we want to if we were interested in it we research tab and we just find out you know and we find out why people say these things and we correct them in a nice way like I always do because I'm an adorable cupcake. Hey, if you guys want to learn more about what I do, you can go to artistsouthbee.com and check out the website. I've got lots of resources on there for free. You can spend some cash. You can buy a book called The Open Art Room. It's from davisart.com or a book called Making Artist, but they're expensive. So, hey, teacher salary. Maybe you can find a used copy somewhere or, oh, you know what? Tell your other art teacher that you work with to buy it and then steal it from, well, okay, don't do that. Okay, no stealing. I got to end this podcast. I'm getting crazy. Hey, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next week.